Hello, and welcome to the Junior League of Cincinnati's podcast, brought to you by the Archives Committee. Our goal is to continue to preserve the incredible history of the Junior League of Cincinnati through conversations and stories. Last time we met with Aaron Rolfus and Brooke Olson, who each contributed in tremendous ways to the Junior League of Cincinnati, specifically with Refugee Connect. This time, we welcome Anne McKenna and Robin Lamont to discuss the later phases of Refugee Connect and the process involved in making it the 501c3 organization that it is today. So welcome, ladies. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks for having us. So, Anne, we're going to start with you. And Anne, you and I actually served as co-vice chairs and co-chairs together. Thinking about when you first took on this role, what prompted you to raise your hand for a leadership position with Refugee Connect? Well, Leslie, when I came to the Junior League of Cincinnati, I actually came in as a transfer. Um, I had joined the Junior League back in my hometown of Buffalo, New York, and had moved to Cincinnati for my job. So, of course, I transferred my membership to Cincinnati. And um, my, my previous experience in the league, I had done a lot of work on the membership council, um, was the new member chair and the uh, VP of membership for a few years. And coming over to um, this new community uh, where I didn't really know anyone, um, I was really interested in broadening my experience and doing some work on the community council. I also thought it might be a really great way for me to learn more about the Cincinnati community in general and some of the needs that were that, the, that Cincinnati had. At that time, there were two projects, and the, the Refugee Connect project really just spoke to me. I was really interested in learning more about it. So during my transfer year, I sat on the committee and really enjoyed it. I got involved in the soccer tournament. We had an excellent time. It was so much fun doing the soccer tournament. The next year, I was approached to take on a leadership role and was happy to do that with you as co-vice chair. And then the following year as the chair, co-chair of the committee. Um, I learned so much, not only about um, Cincinnati and about the refugee population in Cincinnati, but I also learned a lot about myself. So it was a lot of fun and I really enjoyed that work. Awesome. Thank you so much. And Robin, you served as the program director of Refugee Connect. And during that time, you really spoke to me as being the perfect program director for Refugee Connect because you're just so compassionate about the work, but also you're so empathetic. I mean, your history of working with women who had gone through traumatic experiences really made you seem like to me the perfect program director to have that empathetic heart to work with this population, but also you just had the knowledge base. So every time we talked, I felt like I kept picking up little tidbits of information from you and different phrases and different things to say. Um, You taught me, the question is not what is a refugee, the question is who is a refugee? 
So what prompted you to work for the Junior League of Cincinnati on Refugee Connects? I was really inspired by the mission of the Junior League Empowering Women um, through volunteer leadership. My first professional experience working with refugee populations was with women who had fled Eritrea and Ethiopia and along the journey had been raped and needed help navigating healthcare resources and reestablishing themselves in um, a safe country and with their community um, where there was stigma around, around knowing the father of a child. After that experience, I decided to pursue more education and got my master's in social work, which really focused on uh, design thinking and listening to empower communities, um, both on a micro level and a macro level. And then I previously to the role of the junior league had been working with refugees on employment opportunities. And what I was finding was that it was very much focused on when people first arrive and giving them a job, but it wasn't looking at their skills and talent and how people become a part of a community. And I really wanted to be a part of a movement, a part of something where it looked at not just surviving, but community members thriving and the asset um, as a new neighbor and as somebody who becomes a future citizen at five years and is an active community member has uh, to bring to the table. And um, I was really excited when I heard about Refugee Connect from a junior league member who encouraged me to learn more and encouraged me to um, get to know the women. And uh, for me, it was transformative. It allowed me to bring together not only where I saw myself professionally, but it allowed me to explore what it means to be a woman and what it means to work with an organization that's a force for our whole community. So I'm really proud of what we did together. Awesome, thank you, Robin, that was beautiful. And you did a tremendous amount of work as co-vice chair and co-chair especially in working with the community. So what were some of the different areas of work that you spearheaded that were key in developing Refugee Connect? Well, thank you, Leslie. Um, that's so kind of you to say. I enjoyed all of the work I did with Refugee Connect. Um, some of the projects that I worked on, uh, like you mentioned, really were working directly with the community. And I, I worked on um, a lot of coordinating events for the organization. The, one of the things that we really wanted to create through this organization was a sense of community between um, the people we were serving and um, the members of the Junior League who were working on this project and the Cincinnati community as a whole. So we tried to do that and create that sense of community by holding events. One of the events that we held annually was our annual Thanksgiving meal. The Thanksgiving meal is a truly American tradition. And uh, a lot of times when some of these new Americans would come over and um, get settled in Cincinnati, they would hear about this Thanksgiving thing and not really understand what it was. So this was a, an opportunity for us to teach them a little bit about uh, American culture, but also to share a meal with them and get to know them a little bit. And by getting to know one another, spending time together, sharing a meal, we were able to 
really understand each other and really start to um, incorporate our cultures together. Another um, event that we held um, quite a few times was our birthday party event. And Robin can do a much more eloquent explanation of why, but many, uh, many refugees who come to the United States are assigned a birthday of January 1st. And uh, we wanted to celebrate this um, and celebrate their birthdays, sometimes for the very first time, because that wasn't um, something that was celebrated in their cultures. So we would bring, um, bring the community together to celebrate birthdays, um, have balloons and cake and all of the traditional American things that we celebrate on our birthdays. And it was a real uh, way for us to get to know one another but I think one of my favorite events that we held was actually a birthday party. And we also incorporated everyone's cultures, individual cultures, into that meal. So we encouraged everyone to bring a dish that was um, native to their culture. So if it was a member of the Junior League, they were asked to bring a dish that um, represented the food that they grew up eating. And if it was one of the families that we were working with, we asked them to bring food that they had grown up um, eating. And it was, a really, it was a really cool day. And it was really a nice way to learn about each other's cultures, to help us understand one another better, and really to form that community that is so, mar- so much a part of what Refugee Connect does. Great. Thank you. You did so much more than just those events, but they were events that were really impactful. I think not only for the individuals we were serving, but also for the community members who participated and the other women in the Junior League of Cincinnati who were able to contribute as well. So in in my work with Refugee Connect, I primarily focused on education because of my teaching background. So with that, I focused primarily on the funnel training series, which was an opportunity for community members to learn who a refugee is. The refugee background in terms of some different ways an individual can come into the country and what their experience may be in terms of once they get here and trying to navigate a new culture and a new country. We also worked on teen empowerment, which was a great opportunity for young female teenagers to get together and learn a variety of things. And for that, we worked with a lot of community partners, such as Women Helping Women and we even had a Zumba instructor come in And it was a great way for the teenagers to learn about self-empowerment, but also to connect the community to this population that so appreciated the event and the support. We also worked on the speaker series, which was a collaboration with several different organizations, one of them being the Holocaust and Humanity Center. And it was an opportunity for us to be able to have individuals who were refugees come and tell their story of coming to a new country, uh, what their past experiences were, 
what the transition was like and what they're currently doing in the community as thriving member of the Cincinnati community. So that was a great opportunity to hear individual stories that were very impactful. It was full of tears and laughter and a deeper understanding of what individuals may go through to come to the country and different ways that individuals are able to support that transition. Robin, I know that you have more to share about the educational side as well, but as program director, what were some of the areas that you focused on to ensure a successful launch of Refugee Connect? Thank you, Leslie. The way that I approached ensuring a successful launch was looking back to the original project plan and what the needs assessment had identified, and then working shoulder to shoulder with local refugee leaders around how to make that come to life and how to define what success looks like. We were able to bucket those into three key areas, one of which was our educational and outreach program that includes volunteerism that is now called the Ambassador Initiative, and that really focused on creating an inclusive and diverse community that was culturally responsive and that allowed for many different uh, educational pathways for many different community members. And one of the things that we also built together um, was a refugee simulation. And that was a meaningful experience to see come to life for me because we brought together more than 17 different partner organizations that were able to build this program that people walk um, along a journey of what it might be like to be faced with a tough decision to have to leave, to have to flee um, and drop everything and, and to try and hope for safety. What I found was really memorable about that experience is how we were able to have an immersion program, but also bring in community leaders to tell their personal journey and story um, for someone to describe what it was like coming as a child and now as an adult, sharing what it was like to be a part of the Cincinnati community and what it means to have allies. I think um, the two other areas that our key programs focus on were uh, the Navigator Initiative, which was really around direct uh, empowerment of refugee individuals and families. Uh, What really reinforced that we were on track um, as an organization and ready for launch was that we received the Office of Refugee Resettlement funding for the Refugee School Impact Program, which meant that our work that we've been doing with families through our cultural programs, through through our community days, and then through our work in schools was being supported now by an institution that is known for empowering persecuted people. And it was allow- allowed us to expand our programming from two schools to five schools and later to many more in our region. And uh, to see that growth and to see what it means to um, be embedded in schools and community learning centers and to tailor the support for each individual student and family unit so families feel welcome and supported by the greater school environment was um, a really wonderful thing to be a part of. And then the third component um, that we focused on was collaboration through local organizations called the Refugee Empowerment Initiative. And what we found when we started this work is that 
there were a couple organizations working with refugee communities who didn't know each other existed and felt like they were holding it all up themselves. We brought them into a room together and were able to highlight each other's strengths and then work on collaborative teams. And that led to some incredible programs. Um, we did a pediatric refugee health study that was funded and in partnership with Xavier University and Children's Hospital and Cincinnati Health Department, uh, where we had a health navigator from the Bhutanese refugee community that um, focused on wellness and focused on the strengths of uh, mothers and helped them to be empowered to navigate healthcare for their children. We also um, worked on advocacy in the community and, and what it meant to um, for self-advocacy and what community advocacy looks like. And uh, there are many more examples, but I, I think that tying the three areas of focus together really, really brought to life what we had intended as, as a growth in our organization. This goes back to the Navigator Initiative. One of the key areas that we wanted to focus on was relationship building and relationship building through shared experience and ongoing mentorship. One of the um, vice chairs, uh, co-chairs of Refugee Connect, Chelsea Manning, really launched in this program about, around women's empowerment and mentorship, where we got together on a weekly basis uh, with local refugee women and junior league members and developed a mentoring relationship. And now, since then, the program has grown to be family-based mentorship as well as one-on-one -on -one mentorship. And it was uh, funded by a local organization that really showed the power of cultivating relationships. One of their members um, had come and participated as a volunteer, and as they got to know the work they were doing, said, we want to support this. And over um, time, uh, really led that program to soar and become what it is today. Amazing work. Amazing. Thank you. So talking about the launch of Refugee Connect, Robin, can you share some of the behind-the-scenes work involved in transforming a project into a sustainable 501c3 organization. What did it take and who were some of the key players in making it happen? It was a team effort, um, not only the Refugee Connect team, um, but also the Junior League of Cincinnati leadership and executive management team were instrumental in the sustainability planning for Refugee Connect's launch. We developed a business plan which um, we consulted with the most recent past project that had launched into an independent nonprofit, Mindpiece. Talking with Susan Shelton and Robin uh, Brown, um, who had been involved in Refugee Connect in the past and shared what it was like to launch and their successes and opportunities for learning in that area. Uh, we also really focused on cultivating major donors and grants and ensuring that financially we'd, we would be able to be stable and be on our feet as an organization. And additionally, in our launch, four junior league members were a part of the founding board. Um, they had been involved in various capacities with the organization and brought um, skills that we needed for the launch that, um, that helped us to stand on our feet and establish um, independently as well as many junior league volunteers that stuck with us and continue to give amazing support and amazing um, passion for, for what we do and continue to be involved today and I imagine will be in the future. Um, another key partner in this was Pro Bono Partnership of Ohio, which is a nonprofit um, legal service provider, provides free legal services, and we were able to get the support of an attorney, Ross Wales, to help us file for the nonprofit status and actually ended up joining our board and has been 
um, a great um, support uh, in our organization. And um, his wife, JJ Wales, has been very supportive of us. What makes Refugee Connect different is that the league built it. So when another nonprofit might be starting, it doesn't necessarily have that backbone and that strength and that collective knowledge. And so it really set us up for success and it accelerated our ability to do things in a way that uh, that was both innovative and also both ta- and also taking from the strengths of past projects and incubated nonprofits that we had done before. Great, thank you. And I know that was such complex work. So thank you for summarizing everything that went into it. I know there were a lot of folks involved and you really drove that work home to the finish line. So thank you for everything you did with that process. And I'm going to um, jump back to you and I would love for you to share what was your proudest moment you had in working with Refugee Connect? Wow. Well, I mean, that's a little bit of a loaded question because we did so much and I'm very proud of all the work that we did. Um, and really proud to have um, helped the program transition into its own, you know, standalone nonprofit. I mean, I think that wasn't necessarily my work. I think it was the work of all of the committees that came before us. And of course, the work of the board that came after us. But I'm, I mean, that's, that's something to absolutely be proud of. Two things really come to mind, I think, when, when I think about my proudest moments. First, the soccer tournament. I know, um, I believe Brooke talked about it when you talked with her the last time. And man, that soccer tournament was a lot of work, but boy, was it fun. We had such a great time pulling that all together. And to see the smiling faces of all of the um, soccer players, you know, they were like big kids and they just wanted to come together and play soccer together. And being able to pull them together and make that happen in a, a, you know, and it wasn't just the soccer. There were lots of other things that happened on that day as well. You know, having games for the kids and food for everyone who participated. And again, forming that sense of community. That was certainly one of the most fun and proudest moments that I've had. I also think back on um, the time that I did working um, directly with some of our English as a second language um, students. I worked on Saturday mornings with them and did some tutoring. It was a real small group. A lot of them were very much um, beginning English learners. You know, there was this one woman that I had a great opportunity to work with. She worked with the beginner group most of the time, which is where I, I worked as well. We came on a day and she was the only beginner in the group. So I got to work with her one-on-one and I was able to talk with her and and really assess where she was. And, and I found out that much like some of the situations that Robin has um, talked about, she really knew more than she let on. Um, and for whatever reason, she didn't want to, she didn't want to reveal how much she actually, how much English she actually knew and how much she actually, um, how advanced she really was. Uh, so I was able to work with her one-on-one and I really discovered that uh, we sat down and started um, going through uh, it, a very basic language book. I quickly realized that if she tried and she spelled out the letters, she could read. 
so we sat and we actually read through one of the books, um, one of the beginner books. It was really inspiring to me to see this woman who was probably a good 10 years older than me, had come here probably with nothing, was trying to help her family. Even though she was struggling, she was working really hard to learn how to read so that she could better help her family and make sure that her family got what she, what they needed. That was one of my proudest moments. It was very heartwarming for me and, and to know that I was able to help her understand a little bit more about this strange land that she had landed in and really could give her some skills to help her be successful. It was re- It really was one of the proudest moments that I had at Refugee Connect. Thank you. Different skills like that are so important, but there's also that human connection that Refugee Connect made possible that just was above and beyond any kind of academic teaching we could have done. So there were a lot of proud moments for me with Refugee Connect in terms of the educational work that we did. Robin, I would love for you to share your proudest moment as well that you had in working with Refugee Connect. Happy to share that. So my proud moment was starting the internship program at Refugee Connect. One of the scholarship recipients, which we uh, developed as one of our programs as well, too, led by Alicia Cappers, who was a founding board member. Uh, One of the recipients approached Refugee Connect and said that he would love to be a part of the team. And as a senior um, in international relations, really um, practiced his skills. And he joined us and he worked in our programming with teens and helped us develop our international club, which was embedded in schools. And to see him transform as, as a leader. And then when he ended his year, he pursued a graduate, de- a graduate degree. And now he recently got a job um, at a refugee organization. And when his reference called me, to ask about him, it was such a prideful moment I, to be able to share how relationships and how being with people uh, can be transformative, not just for this individual, for myself and for the whole community. And it made me think as well about um, one of the programs that he helped host, which was having junior league members come to one of the schools and fill out applications for summer opportunities for teens. And I remember Amelia Crutcher being one of those junior league members and her working with teens on writing their first resume and building their portfolio for their artworks application. And when those students got their acceptance letters after their interviews, I mean, it was an incredible moment. And when we drove to the work site and visited one of the students and for her to share what it meant to be able to have her first job, what it meant to be creating art for everyone in the city to to see and to enjoy and and to reflect and the meaning behind it. That's where I really felt like the moment, a moment of pride for what we had built together. And I think most recently um, I was reminded of of what it means to stand uh, side by side and with people along their journey. Um, In 2016, there was a family that arrived from Congo um, at the end of the school year. And one of their daughters was to be enrolled in high school the following year. And we had worked with them over the summer in a summer program, getting to know the local library and getting a library card and going to the pool and um, exploring various nature centers in the area and really getting to know the community within the walking distance of where they lived or by a short bus ride. And then the student didn't show up on the first day of school. And what we found out was that she just didn't feel ready for high school. 
and found a um, non-public school that would allow her to go back a bunch of grades. And a student will age out at, at 21. And so when I found out what grade she had been placed in, I was really concerned about her ability to graduate and to reach her potential. And so I met with her parents and, and we spoke about uh, what their goals were for their daughter, what her goals were, and um, really um, teased apart, you know, the grief and loss that she had experienced and, and her fear about, you know, going to a new building and being in high school. And she said that if, I, if she had someone with her, she would go for a, a morning. I said, you know, I can go with you. I work at, we work in the schools. And so I went with her and I sat in class after class and she's like, I think I'm ready to leave. We got to science class. And I distinctly remember her turning around and saying to me, I'm taking the bus home with my older sister. This is my school and, and I love it here. And, and it was science class. It was this, this, the moment of when they were talking about, I believe it was around physics, it, she lit up in a way that I hadn't seen her do after spending an entire summer with her. And now um, she recently graduated. And when she was sharing her graduation story, she said that she was accepted to two universities, University of Cincinnati and Cincinnati State. And for her to have choice about where she was going next, and she came with limited English proficiency and now was able to pursue her dreams. I mean, that, that was exactly what we wanted to do as an organization. And to see that, to see that it takes time and it takes cultivating a relationship and it takes many different partners and people coming together and believing in people and specifically believing in this young woman and her family unit and empowering her to figure out what choice is best for her. And um, to me, that's my most proud recent moment. I remember you sharing this story with us before and to be able to hear such a lovely end to her high school career and where she's launching off to next is wonderful. So thank you. All right, guys. So before I ask Robin the final question, what other stories or moments that impacted you that you um, would like to share with the other junior league women? I do have one story that I think Robin is going to remember. I went with Robin to a, um, oh, we sat at a table at the, was it the mall or something where we were just teaching the community about Refugee Connect and what we did. And one of the families that was very involved with the program, came by. It was their entire family. Luma, and she was one of our um, speakers. I don't know if that happened before or after that, it was, that moment in the mall. That, the, the moment in the mall was first. Okay. And she came by uh, with the kids, and they were walking around, and um, we were kind of like staffing this table, just sharing with the community what Refugee Connect was and what, what we were doing. Luma came, and she was shy, of course, and she came and she sat next to me, and um, you know, she was watching the kids, and she was really quiet and shy, and we were, you know, I was trying to make some conversation with her, get to know her a little bit, and of course, her English was 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 pretty good, but not great. Um, so we were trying to communicate with one another and, and get to the same level. And all of a sudden, um, I don't know how we got on the subject, but we started talking about food. I mean, do you guys see a pattern here? But we started talking about food and she was sharing with me some of the, um, some of the food that she was sharing that she likes to cook. And I shared with her that I also like to cook. 
we were talking about some of our favorite dishes and things that we had made. And she pulls out her phone and she started showing me pictures she had taken of some of the meals that she made for her family. And by the end of that afternoon, I'm pretty sure she invited me over for dinner. I think her husband was trying to marry me off. There was a lot of, a lot of love <laughs> in that room. We had a really great time together and I enjoyed getting to know her so much. That transitioned into uh, Luma coming to one of our junior league meetings to speak to the membership and tell them a little bit about what Refugee Connect meant to her. Because of that connection that we formed, I was able to, uh, Robin and I both kind of uh, led the discussion up on the stage. And because she was comfortable with me, she did it. And I think uh, Robin had a little bit to do with convincing her. Uh, but she was able to, even though she was super nervous, was able to tell her story to the membership and really explain to them the importance of the work we were doing with Refugee Connect. And that was really a proud moment for me as well, because I think we were able to, by forming that connection and that relationship, help her to achieve a goal that I don't think she would have done otherwise. Getting to know her as a person, making her feel comfortable, she was able to share her a little bit of her story and really... Um, inspire the group of women that were at that meeting. So it was really, Luma was, uh, she's a shining star. She's an amazing woman. And I was so glad that I got the opportunity to get to know her a little bit. That's great. Thank you. Thanks, Anne. We put so much sweat, tears, and laughter into, you know, what started as a, a, an idea in the Junior League of Cincinnati and is now a wonderful organization. Something that really stands out to me about the development of Refugee Connect was the support of the sustaining advisors that we had. Over the course of the program research and launch, um, we had three incredible sustainers, Amelia Crutcher, Priscilla Ungers, and Mary Kate Olson, who were a part of our team. And uh, I shared a story earlier about Amelia, and I'd like to share a story about Priscilla and about Mary-Kate. Priscilla was, is really passionate about education and about mentorship, and she saw that Refugee Connect was ready to expand our outreach to the greater community, and she welcomed Knox Church into the work that we were doing. And there we developed a partnership around mentorship and um, worked with a local family from Somalia who had just arrived. It was incredible to see her apply her warmth for others and her perspective on, on what community means and to share what she had learned in the league um, and to have that reach wider network at Knox and with this family. And uh, what we discovered with the family is that they didn't know anyone else from the Somali community and didn't know that anyone else from their country of origin was here. As a team, we introduced them to the local um, leadership, which then led to the family having a masjid, masjid, a mosque, to go to regularly and community events and to find a home that they felt comfortable in and friends for their children where they could speak their, their first language and really build that confidence and find home again while also integrating into the greater community. And so it was really beautiful to see that and to have Priscilla lead that effort. Mary-Kate is an energetic and passionate person. And when she was a part of our team, really connected the dots. And there was 
there was a program that was developing that now is um, called um, the Welcome Project. We were part of um, kind of the idea generation and support of them creating what they are today, which is now uh, a business run by a refugee women social enterprise um, that works on um, food um, insecurity and also around goods and talents of community members and is a training institution. And um, they were really in need of an oven. And um, Mary-Kate had a wonderful connection and was able to get one donated. And she's the kind of person that through her network is able to, to connect the dots and make incredible thing ha things happen. And I think that's true of, of so many junior league members. I can think of so many times where that greater network made a huge difference in people's lives. I think that was this, a strength too of having Refugee Connect have its roots in the league because we weren't alone in it. And we could, as an interdisciplinary team of many different backgrounds, build this, this together and work side by side with refugee community leaders and look at the strengths as a greater Cincinnati community. Um, building something grassroots that really reflects the identity of who we are as Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky is why folks can have an accelerated experience and less disparate outcomes than what was happening before we started this work. Those are beautiful stories. I love, I totally forgot about that whole oven story. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and then well, we worked with them um, at the last soccer tournament last year and uh, Welcome Project provided food from five different countries and the chefs were on site creating the dishes and everyone was able to eat them. And so what was really beautiful about that is that, that there, was, there wasn't a question of somebody's income or ability to pay for the meal. It was just that we had, were able to get the resources and support to have everyone come and join this community meal together. It really speaks to the evolution of the organization. So Robin, the big final question, what is next for Refugee Connect? So I would have answered this question differently pre-COVID-19 coronavirus, but I'm going to give that answer first. Um, because that's what we've had to live most recently. Families have been really affected by, by this just as, as many community members. And we really took a person-centered approach and reached out to every per family that we had contact with to check in how they were doing. First, we started with basic needs. So we looked at, uh, did they have food, housing? Um, did they still have their job? Did they have access to education for their children? Did they have a computer? Um, did they have what they need to, to continue the life that they were living, but also looking, um, do they have what they need to contribute back to their greater community? I mean, these are people who are survivors who have, who have thrived and been able to achieve so much. And we were really concerned that this would be a huge setback for folks who had come from so much and had experienced so much grief and loss. We uh, launched a program where we had four, we have four navigators who speak seven different languages who are working with families. Um, on a day-to-day -day basis, all remote, so no face-to-face, -face, ensuring that people have what they need. This program is going to be expanded. The Greater Cincinnati Foundation uh, gave us funding to expand the program to have more navigators and to reach over. We had funding for Hamilton County, and now we're able to work within our whole region, including Northern Kentucky. And so that seeing um, that the community really supports what we're doing um, and being able to expand our languages is really important. And I think what we want to do next is how do we do virtual mentorship in a way that is meaningful, in a way that, that ensures people know that they're not alone, that they have a community, and that you know, they're going to survive this too. 
And, and I know that for some folks who have been directly impacted um, by the virus, have lost loved ones, who have lost uh, their jobs, who are economically impacted, or just, you know, the fear and uncertainty, it's a hard time for everybody. And I think what we can do as an organization is go back to our tagline, which is one, promoting one greater community. And that's really what the work that we're doing with our um, COVID-19 response is doing. So I think also it's a time for a call of action. So if any junior league members or otherwise in the community want to give back and be a part of this mentorship program, if people are interested in being connected in our educational area, in our collaboration space, in um, building more uh, relationships that lead to development and financial giving. I mean, that there's such a need, but there's also such an opportunity to, to meet other community members and to form incredible friendships and bonds that, that last a lifetime. I, I think that leads into what's next for, next for Refugee Connect in the future. But I think too, there's a lot of listening that needs to happen before that can be determined because of what's changed um, in our communities and because people are in different spaces and people have, some people have the ability to give and contribute in ways that they didn't before and other people don't. And so it, it kind of makes us have to pivot and think in new ways. Um, but I think what's really beautiful about Refugee Connect is that our, our collaborative framework of co-creating and leadership, which is looking at strengths of different cultures and collective versus individualistic culture. And so one story I always think of is um, there's a proverb that talks about, you know, somebody maybe running ahead. If you say, you know, whoever gets that, that thing over there, you reach it first and you get it. And what I find with many communities that we work with is that people will link arms and join together to reach that, that thing and, and share it um, and to embrace it as a community and to look at things a little bit differently. So I think that we have a lot as an organization, a lot of strength because of the leader leadership we have from refugee community members and from the greater community as allies in this. I think too about second generation and third generation survivors. I think about how there's a lot of opportunity to engage folks and see where are they now and what was impactful to get them there and how can we maybe speed up getting that to newer folks, but also what it means around civic engagement. There has been a program that we help support and start it's called Civic Action for Refugee Empowerment. Short, the short um, acronym is CARE. We recommended uh, some refugee community leaders, um, one from Congo, one from Bhutan. And, and now they're, they're a part of this group that is doing community-based research. And they came to our Refugee Empowerment Initiative meeting and presented their findings and are sharing how they want um, civic engagement to look like in the community and what that can be. And I think that that is something that we're really excited about as an organization as well. If there's ever a time where people feel isolated, it's now. And creating that one greater community virtually or through any method that you can is tremendous work. So thank you for what you guys are doing. Can I share one more thing? Yeah. Refugee Connect has been a part of my life for the last four and a half years. And I am so grateful to the Junior League for believing in me and investing in me and developing me as a leader. And I uh, was really excited that after the launch, I joined the Junior League as a member. My family had some changes and we actually moved out of state and so I've been supporting Refugee Connect remotely um, through uh, May, 
And recently, um, the board had a search for a new executive director and identified someone. And she is exactly uh, the right person to be in leadership next. And I'm really proud that she's joined the team. And so I just wanted to share that change and that uh, she just started like within the last few weeks and I was able to onboard her to get to know her. And it's it's really amazing to see what we built as a team when it was a committee within the league and where it is now. And I'm so proud of, of where it's going and uh, the perspective that she brings as a leader um, devoted to refugee empowerment for many years, combined with uh, the additional staff member that we were able to bring on, Megan Iverson, in the first year of the launch in 2018. And so she's been there for quite some time. And um, she's led our school-based programming and our mentorship programming and is the program director. And it, it really speaks volumes to the vision that the Junior League set and that it's not tied to one person. It's tied to this belief in humanity and in empowering persecuted people to thrive. And we're doing this together. And so I invite the Junior League members and the greater Cincinnati community to be a part of that and to join us in whatever way is meaningful to you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you both for joining me for this podcast from the Archives Committee. And thank you to all of the women who had a role in Refugee Connect and what it is today. It might have been a smaller contribution. It might have been something larger that you were able to do. It might have been a heartfelt note that you wrote to one of our students for teen empowerment. But it also might have just been cheering Refugee Connect on throughout the years. So thank you for everyone's hard work in this. And I am excited to see how Refugee Connect is able to reinvent and pivot during this time to continue to make one greater community.